Steffi took my hand and we walked past the fruit bins, an area that extended about 45 yards along one wall. The bins were arranged diagonally and backed by mirrors that people accidentally punched when reaching for fruit in the upper rows. A voice on the loudspeaker said, Kleenex softique, your truck's blocking the entrance. Apples and lemons tumbled in twos and threes to the floor when someone took a fruit from certain places in the stacked array. There were six kind of apples. There were exotic melons and several pastels. Everything seemed to be in season, sprayed, burnished, bright. People tore filmy bags off racks and tried to figure out which end opened. I realized the place was awash in noise, the toneless systems, the jangle and skid of carts, the loudspeaker and coffee making machines, the cries of children, and over it all, or under it all, a dull and unlocatable roar, as if some form of swarming life just outside the range of human apprehension. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We are recording this episode on Sunday, January 29th. Welcome to episode number 67, where we will be discussing the adaptation White Noise. Uh, with me to talk about the adaptation is the first-rate Featherly Plume and Dialar Pedaling, Mr. Eric. Where were you when James Dean died, you son of a bitch? Uh, at the supermarket? I knew it. Like with everyone else in the white noise <laughs> film, <laughs> just always at the supermarket forever and ever. Good. You better know where you were when he died. Where were you when James Dean died? I wasn't born yet. Yeah, so. me neither. Um, How yeah. are you? I'm good. Say hello to the people, please. Oh, hi. I was going to do a little <laughs> oh, yeah. white noise interlude just for, uh, I, I think the over under was like three of those this episode. <laughs> so I'm going to try to move that up a little bit. I'm going to grab a clip from YouTube and just plop oh that's a good idea kind of throughout yeah i'm good we are uh we're getting a little bit of a late start here but i think it's gonna increase the energy of the show i feel like we weren't ready at first and now we're like extra ready it's been a weird sunday yeah um i i showed up and i misplaced one of my cords for the uh basically to record this episode so i had to go to best buy and they said they had four of these cords in stock and they couldn't find them anywhere. So I wasted about 30 minutes there. Then I drove all the way to Micro Center and they had it right away. So tip, pro tip, go to Micro Center. Micro Center over Best Buy. For sure. You know, the problem is that you looked online and nothing, technology does no goods. There's no, does not, does not do you good. <laughs> Techn- technology does no goods, people. Yes. Just don't forget. Thank you. White noise. <laughs> but we made it and we're back. And uh, before we get into the adaptation, we're going to have some fast facts for you real quick. The book, Written by Don DeLillo, author of Libra, Underworld, and Cosmopolis, another uh, adaptation joint we could possibly do in the future. We never know. Published in January 1985 by Viking Press, considered a postmodern novel. Eric, I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, won the U.S. National Book Award for Fiction in 1985. It has a Goodreads rating of 3.87. Then um, the movie premiered at the Venice Film Festival on September 2nd uh, this past year, 2022. Uh, released in theaters on November 25th uh, to select cities and then on Netflix on December 30th uh, for the masses. So written and directed by Noah Baumbach, who has uh, directed The Squid and the Whale, Francis Ha, Marriage Story, among others. Uh, this film stars Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, Don Cheadle, among others. Rotten Tomato score, 63. Metacritic, 66. That's a D in uh, high school. Take a breath. Right, so <laughs> just want to power through that. So yeah, pretty good. Not great. Middling. Yeah. Middling. Sort of like loved by some critics, hated by others yeah that's how you know it's good right the critics hate it i think if yeah that's a right. one produ- a young producer once told me that 
Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a recap. Uh, White Noise, if you're unfamiliar, tells the story of a death-fearing Hitler Studies professor, Jack Gladney, his wife, Babette, and their family, whose life changes forever when a toxic airborne event, not a plume and not a uh, wisp, wisping cloud? B- uh, billowing. A billowing cloud uh, occurs close to their family home. Themes of death, consumerism, technology, and shopping at those brightly lit supermarkets feature prominently. Love it. Okay, thank you for the recap, Eric. Um, are you ready for the game? Two truths, one lie. Hit me. All right, number one, the the airborne toxic event is the name of an L.A. rock band. Number two, the actress who plays Denise in the film is the younger sister of Daniel Radcliffe, the actor uh, who grew to superstardom for the Harry Potter series. Uh, number three, Panasonic was the original title of the book. Eric, what are we thinking? Hmm. So I know for sure that three is true. Panasonic was the original title, and I think the company was like, "Hey, can't do that." Mm-hmm. So okay, that okay. changed. So I'm I'm thinking that's a truth. Uh, I there's there's, some, there's something in number one strikes me as a, a thing I'm like aware of, whether it's the name of a rock band or a song from a rock band. I feel like some there's like something in that. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel Radcliffe, is he an only child? Like he was in Harry Potter? Maybe. Maybe this is a trick. I did hear actually a, a podcast with Noah Baumbach, the director, who said that two of the kids were actually brother and sister. I have no idea if that was Denise and someone else, mm. but there there were siblings among the like young actors. Young actors. So maybe this inspired you to put this here. I don't know. I'm gonna say for. Uh, the sake of everyone's life <laughs> that uh, the airborne toxic event is not the name of an LA rock band. It's the name of an Irish rock band. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nice. I'm going to say like that, that number one is a lie. You are incorrect. Okay. Uh, the airborne toxic event is the name of an LA rock band that was inspired by this book. Uh, number two is a true uh, false, false. Um, the actress who plays Denise is not the younger sister of Daniel Radcliffe. Although they have very similar cheekbones. Ah. this is where i got this from did you not get this when you watched it no which one was denise she was the one with like the you know like the, the what's that visor that's like see yes. the green visor yeah it's okay. like what the card like a, yeah. de- a dealer visor like a vegas yeah yeah you didn't get that vibe i i was looking at her i was like man she looks so familiar and i was like oh my god she looks like daniel like doesn't exactly look like her but i was like oh my god there's Enough. a resemblance to daniel Radcliffe. i wonder if they're related and then they they're, were not they're not <laughs> so, okay i like that but do yeah, you think the right airborne right. toxic event is a good band name? Um, if you're going to see, it's a mouthful. Yeah, ATE. Like who are you guys seeing tonight? The airborne toxic event. And if you if you what? shorten it, it would be ATE, which is just eight, which is not a great like short, oh, yeah. shortening either. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like toxic toxic event is would better. Be good, yeah. yeah, airborne kind of gets in the way. Yeah, and the. I mean, why not? Why yeah. even have the? Yeah, but it's LA for you. It is LA so, for you. Yeah, so. Um, battle next time. Um, yeah, sorry to sorry to hear you lost, but um, decent effort. One okay. day we'll have to tally up what my actual record is. <laughs> it's probably maybe, a, maybe next episode we'll do this. I, th- I feel like you've you've been on a run recently, but yeah. uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a stop to that. So, over under our second game, our second most favorite um game here. Over under. So the number is four point five. The subject is the number of times Adam Driver and Noah Baumbach have actually uh, have worked together. Yeah, so White Noise makes one. That's one. 
Um, you mentioned too when you read out Noah Baumbach's name, uh-huh. which is Francis Ha, a movie I saw like last week. Oh, nice! And then Marriage Story, which is another movie I have seen, another another Netflix movie. Um, and he's he's in all three of these movies, so that's that makes three. Uh, I don't know a lot of other Noah Baumbach movies, and as with this over under section recently. I'm going to just trust like the numbers I can come up with and say, because I can come up with three, that's lower than 4.5. I'm going to take the under. You are incorrect. Oh, my God. it's five. Uh, so wow. Francis Ha, while we're young with Naomi oh, Watts and Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Sure. So he's like the yes, young yes, director yes. guy. He wears like a weird hat. Like a fedora. Yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and then the Meyerowitz stories. I guess he was in that. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Uh, marriage story and that, then white noise. So, Good there for Adam Driver. Yeah, you're welcome. And I know Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are partners in real Yeah, I was actually well. thinking about doing that one too. And they've actually they've worked together in five at least, but they've also they're also together writing Barbie, so I yeah. didn't count that. Um, but yeah, they're like they're a thing. So yeah, okay. Well, that's a oh for two for me today. That's not good. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's all right. We'll uh we'll go back to the lab <laughs> and and work on our our guessing after yeah we'll do next that. episode yeah. yeah. Um. We're going to take a quick break, listen to a quick ad from Dialar. This episode of the Little Lens Podcast is brought to you by Dialar. Dialar is the only medication specifically designed by experts to assuage your fears of death. Dialar specifically interacts with neurotransmitters in the brain that are related to the fear of death. Every emotion or sensation has its own neurotransmitters in Dialar, taken as a pill once a day, induces the brain to make its own inhibitors and can lessen your fears of death, kind of. To see what Dialar can do for you, contact Mr. Gray by phone or visit him at his home in the CD Motel under the underpass. You know the one. And don't forget to bring your ski mask for, well, you'll find out. Dialar. One pill a day keeps the feeling of death at bay. And we are back. Thank you from that brief word from Dialar. Uh, big supporters of the pod. Uh, finally, happy to be able to work with them and get their product out. What's your, sorry, what's your stance on like medical malpractice? Are you? I don't really, I don't really believe in it. I feel like you can do whatever you want with whatever you want. Yeah, just like, to whoever you want. Yeah, like just like give someone some pills. Yeah, and, and be like, you know, it's their responsibility to deal with whatever problems they have after that. I like that. So yeah, at the neurotransmitter I, I level, it's like you know, it's whatever. Yeah, it's you, not, yeah. you take it into your own hands. Listen, I'm just trying to collect my salary and, and move on. With yeah, my life. that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, just kidding. But um, before we get into the film, of course, we got to talk about the book here um white noise so eric i am the studio executive you are the young up-and-coming producer in hollywood you found this amazing book that you just read and you're like we got to make it into a movie i've let you begrudgingly to come into my office set up time you've only got five minutes you're taking a lot of it by it's (laughs) talking right now it's the 445 455 meeting so I only have a couple minutes and I'm also, uh, on the, on a call. So you're gonna have to really dazzle me here. Well, I've created a whole PowerPoint. If you uh, look at the screen behind me, um, I, I think this is going to be an easy sell because I, white noise is, you mentioned it, a like classic of postmodernism. It's one of America's great novels. You can put that in quotes or whatever. Um, but I, th- I think it is true. And despite its age, its lessons are, as true today, Will, as they ever have been. Um, White Noise is a book about death. It's a book about technology warping our ability to communicate with 
one another accurately. It warps our belief systems. It's a book about the stupidity of leaders, whether they be academic or like politicians. And it's a book about the stupidity of those leaders followers. Um, it's, it's, I think overall a book about the death of a certain kind of America and the child that was born in its wake, the very, very stupid child. Um, I just think it's a, it's a timeless telling of what modern America is and has become since 1985 when it was published. And in this heightened post COVID moment when death and fear and smartphones and misinformation are everywhere. Uh, I think it resonates like pretty hardcore. Mm -hmm. So you can see all of the things in this book that make it like a wowzer property even today your response um well i like it i like making i'm so i didn't introduce myself before but i'm reed hastings the ceo of netflix he stepped down do you know that yeah i was actually i just googled it and i just found out yeah yeah, (laughs) yeah. right now so ted i'm actually ted sarandos and greg peters you two guys, um, okay. Yeah, both okay. guys, yeah, yeah. Depends on the day. Yeah, a lot like George Santos. Um, but just to move on from that, yes. So I like the idea of taking a classic American novel and bringing it to today's light onto Netflix so people can see it. But my real goal here <clears throat> is to collect the golden statue. We've been trying for years now to get the best picture, and we've never won it. I need an A-list cast. I need an A-list director. I need this to be my Oscar bait push for 2022. Well, do you have anything for me? Well, I, you, I, th- I have a pretty good lead actor role. Okay. Um, a Hitler studies professor who is afraid of, of dying and afraid that dying in, in dying will not be remembered. His legacy is like going to evaporate upon mm-hmm. his death. Mm-hmm. And so there is this existential feeling of, inadequacy that the lead character feels which i think gives you a nice little 3d shell in which to have a lead actor play around Mm -hmm. um there is a that lead actor has a wife character who also has a fear of death Mm -hmm. her fear of death is a little bit more like familial driven she is afraid to die first i believe right that's that's Mm -hmm. the thing and Mm -hmm. uh and thinks like dying second will just leave her like alone and sad and um, she won't be able to cope and all that. So I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of existentialism here. And there is going to be a challenge in adapting it because it is uh, told in first person and there's a lot of like interiority, which we'll talk about in a second. But mm-hmm. um, it, it will require a pretty like deft touch to get get it on the screen. But I think once it's on the screen, you know, there's there's big parts to play for some for some big talent. Okay. Okay. I um I'm going to say yes. You want a statue? I'll give you Adam Driver. He'll get you a statue. (laughs) I'm going to write a check for hundred million and you go give me that statue. I know what a crime that this movie is a hundred million dollars. It's pretty crazy. I, maybe they actually pulled the, pulled the, uh, the train out and blew it up. Who knows? You'd have to for a hundred million (laughs) dollars or it's all for Adam Driver's like wig budget. Yeah. Maybe maybe. him and Greta. Is it a bodysuit? Did he gain that weight? He probably gained the weight. Yeah. He's a method. Yeah. He's method. He's a big dude, right? He's like six, Four, something like that six, yeah. three so it takes a long time for someone that tall to gain that much weight probably i feel like he definitely didn't get it must probably not it. he i think I he's done like with star wars though right it. so he's is he he's done with star wars right i, is that I think asked? so yeah, yeah i would hope so anyway so thanks Anyways, for the money you're welcome man. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go invest it in bitcoin and be back, <laughs> be back later but um but yeah okay cool so pitch me daddy is over 
appreciate it. Let's get into what we thought about the novel. Eric, give me some parts that you were excited to see adapted. Yeah, so I just mentioned this, but the book is really in the Jack Gladney's character's head a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. He's He kind of like thinks about the conversations he's having while he's having them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like this sort of like interesting dialogue at play here. Like it's not real. I mean, obviously it's human speech, but it's like not really at the same time. Like people talk in this book in a way that's very different mm-hmm. and like unusual and kind of heightened reality in a way or like part of the world of the book and not part of the world of our world uh-huh. if that makes sense mm-hmm. so uh how do you how do you literalize that how do you like turn that into visual imagery how do you do you normalize like dialogue because if i think if you do that you might lose some of the like goodness of the book mm-hmm. um in addition i think you could probably make the argument that the plot here is pretty thin Mm-hmm. As far as like plots go, it's definitely more of a book about ideas and conversation. Um, but you also just wrote me a check for a hundred million dollars. And so I'm aware that like kind of have to have a Explosions. plot, kind of have to have explosion, <laughs> kind of have to have like a cool airborne toxic event. Yep. Um, so how do you combine the two? How do you make it a, a movie about ideas while also giving us the like mainstream checkpoints mm-hmm. and action sequences that, like the budget kind of demands um and then one more thing i would add is just like how do you do the tone we i feel like are talking about this more and more as maybe movies these days are writing a finer line maybe it's like a post mcu world thing where like Mm. everything needs to be a little bit funny now Mm. and this book i would argue is very funny yeah um but it's also as we mentioned kind of like a treatise on death yeah and those things don't always intersect. So how do we put forth ideas about death in a way that like captures the hilarity of the book without making it like kind of like sickly or treacly or mm-hmm. whatever that word is. Yeah. It's uh like you said before, it's a, it's a huge book on interiority uh, and dialogue. And like you said, a lot of the dialogue is a bit different. I think it is a good representation of like, their characters in academia um, where they are all kind of self-centered and they're all kind of having these fleeting, they're either highly intelligent or they're like thinking about something off in the abyss while they're talking with somebody. So it's a lot of that. And it's a, for me, as I was reading, I was like, this is going to be a tough thing to portray uh, in a movie just in general, if they even try to do that. Um, but like you said, it's a it's a super funny book. A lot of the dialogue is just super funny. Like I laughed out loud when I the part about James Dean. Like I just like was like I could visualize it. It was just hysterical. Like he's just basically grilling all these other people. Where were you? Where were you when James Dean died? Where were you when James Dean died? And then he like gets more upset as he keeps going, and then he like calls one guy a son of a bitch for not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's just outrageous, and a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's it's a great. It's super funny. Um, but you're right that the plot is, is maybe non-traditional is, is one way to describe it. It's, it's, uh, it's basically has three acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a fluid plot. Like it doesn't take you from A to Z. Um, it kind of like has one thing happen and then another thing happen, And those things are a little bit unrelated or there's not really like a s- segment or a, like a connector between the two. Uh, and then a, a third thing happens and they're all kind of connected, but they're all relatively separate as well. 
that I don't think really lends itself to a film necessarily, but, um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said before about the inter- interiority and, uh, the dialogue and it being really, really funny and trying to strike that tone is probably difficult in a visual medium. Yeah. A lot of these characters, you reminded me there's, there's a passage in here, I think where, uh, Murray and Jack who are talking about like, we're academics. We just put forth theories it feels like a lot of the dialogue is just kind of like they're just like theorizing about modern life yeah because there's some things i wrote down just like you know television is just another name for junk mail how do you know so much babette said i'm from new york um there's like the whole there's a thing that's kind of like hidden in the movie a little bit but um you know catastrophes get our attention mud slides brush fires coastal erosion earthquakes mass Mm. killings this is where california comes in we can relax and enjoy these disasters because in our hearts, we feel that California deserves whatever it yeah, gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of these things are just really, really funny. Yeah. Um, but they're also kind of like theoretical. Yeah. They're kind of like peacocking to each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In a way that's like not fully true mm-hmm. necessarily or like proven, but in a way that is kind of just like heightened and yeah, there's a there's another one the family is is the cradle of the world's misinformation which that was really funny and poignant yeah that's uh, big in the movie big in the movie too yeah. yeah 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 lots of lots of great little quotes lots of great little tidbits um but yeah sort of a loose plot structure um and not like I, w- I would say the plot is not totally engaging uh in the sense of like whereas if you read a mystery like a murder mystery or something like that it's like you kind of like has you on the tip of your tongue or the tip of the page kind of rolling through it because you're want to know what happened this isn't really that it doesn't give you like it gives you an airborne toxic event it, it, i think i actually don't know does the book actually describe what happens uh yeah like t- two train cars or okay. a train in a, a truck okay yeah, it's the same as the movie it is okay yeah I, I couldn't remember that part in the book but yeah it's sort of like okay that happened and now they're dealing with it but it doesn't really like go into like you know what is ha- what is really happening they kind of theorize like about different things about what it possibly could mean and stuff but that's sort of a side note to the real story yeah the toxic event is like okay they're saying that you're going to get sweaty palms okay now they're saying you're going to be like nauseous yeah. and people start to get not or they had sweaty palms and they and then they ha- there's sweaty palms stop and they start to get nauseous and then it's like no actually these are the s- symptoms now you're getting and then everyone vu. feels this yeah and yeah. Now, now everyone has deja vu because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they kind of just like feel what they're told to feel kind yeah, of yeah. thing yeah. it's it's almost like so it is, you're right, a three-act structure, and the toxic event kind of throws off the first act, which is basically just setting up, like, what these people do right. and, like, how they operate and what their business is, their day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this big thing comes, and it just kind of throws them off a little bit. Yeah. And then the undercurrent of that is this, like, Dylar plot, um, which is Babette, Jack's wife, is, mm-hmm. like, taking pills sneakily, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out what Dylar actually is. Yeah. And it's sort of a mystery, but there's not a lot of like sleuthing that goes on. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of, I guess that's the one mystery in it. It's like they fig- they're trying to figure out why she's behaving so oddly. Um, and they find out that she's taking these pills and they're like, okay, where did she get these pills from? What are the pills? What are they? Yeah. Yeah. And then it leads them onto this path of like spoiler alert of, uh, some random guy in a motel room essentially yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's not a true mystery because there's not a lot of like loot like uh red herrings or whatever mm. they, it's all just sort of like linearly played out yeah like it's not 
too difficult. It just takes a while because yeah. they have other stuff like in front of that stuff. Yeah. So it is, I don't know. It's just, it's enjoyable. I know we can yeah. transition to like, to be like reading it. It's even though there was really like a light plot, it was really fun to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't know. I feel like January is just a, such a bad month for reading for me. Same. I'm never, <laughs> it's just, I, I don't it's ever. It's a bad month in general for anything. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like this is a book I definitely want to reread because yeah. it's just so full. Yeah. For It's 300-ish pages, yeah. mm-hmm. but the paragraphs are like sometimes like full pages yeah. long. Everyone speaks in these like very long yep. speeches, yep. for lack of a better word. Um I don't know. It's there's just so much in it. There's like yeah. critiques of technology, of consumerism, yeah. of you know, conversations about death and life and youth and all this stuff and it's all funny. Yeah, it it is all funny. And it, it's definitely going to be one of those books if you read it multiple times, you pick up a new thing every time basically or you see it in a new way. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to read, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're drudging through it. Um I mean, if you don't find it funny, then you probably would feel that way, but I think it's I don't know. It's probably not universal, but I think it's pretty standardly funny. Um, if that's a, a phrase, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it as well. Um, I want to talk, ask you like about some of the themes. Yeah. Cause we have a theme of <clears throat> like existential dread, uh, or, or existential death, however you want to say it. Um, kind of pinned with this, um, f- sort of like pseudo apocalyptic event in a way. And then you have, this backdrop of like American consumerism and American education. Um, I guess I just want to get your general thoughts of like how that, those things sort of played with the plot. And then like, did, did you like tapping into those themes? Did you prefer maybe there was something else? Just give me your, like your general feelings about it. Yeah. So, all those things taken together, you know what I mean? Like those are all huge topics. And so right from the start, you know, we talk, when we give like star ratings for stuff, yeah, yeah. it's always like, you know, four or five, six, whatever, whatever stars. We were just talking about stars. this before. But I, yeah, I, yeah I, I, you have to, I think, appreciate something that goes for like th- these topics, which is like essentially taken together in this book, like a critique of the American belief system. Mm-hmm. Cause there it's, we didn't really touch on it, but there's like religion in here too Mm -hmm. at the end. Um, and I think all told it swirls together into this thing. That's like, you know, the problem with America today is this, it's like religion. It's basically like, so death, you're afraid of death. Why is that? That's, that's the question the book seeks to answer. And the answer is essentially like you're afraid of death because death is the end for you. But at a certain point, death was just the beginning of something else. But once that belief system fell out of place, death becomes this very like finite moment in your existence. And Mm so you start to fear it. And because you're afraid of it, you try to fill your life with as many things as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And mixed with like the increased technological output, like TV, radio, Mm -hmm. written works, newspapers, just all of this like fucking gamma ray of information and media Mm -hmm. and whatnot you all you do every day consume. is consume stuff and consume stuff and consume stuff but you're not actually like retaining anything right so you'll see there's all, all these like banal banal banal, banal yeah. conversations where it's like whoa um you know 
what do what's in a camel's hump is it food or is it water yeah like okay well are you talking about a one hump camel or a two hump camel because that's different <laughs> and like and what you actually really need to be talking about is camel meat right because a that's delicacy. a delicacy and then yeah. it's like aren't you thinking of llamas actually <laughs> yeah, right. and it's just like this non-stop uh just like rat-a-tat conversational flow of nothingness right, right, like right. the tv is always on yeah. the book is always talking about these very specific like brand names of things like yep. oh the coca-cola was here and i watched the like jiffy pop pop in the stove and it's just very like consumer forward and stuff. Yeah. so you know i'm losing the thread a little bit but no, no, no i think i think it deserves credit for going after like the biggest possible fish mm. in the ocean mm-hmm. like it's really going for what's wrong with you interesting um and i i think like the the plot sort of goes like second to that because to set that up, you just need a lot of people talking right. about whatever it is yeah. because it shows you how kind of stupid it all is. Right, right, right. If it was more clear, then it would your argument might be less effective. Right. So I think um, it sort of like has to be like this. And I think it really like does it well. Yeah. Um, I left this book thinking like, fuck, everything everything does suck. Like this is terrible. <laughs> like you're totally right. Like yeah. you, I look at my phone now and I feel guilty that I'm just like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and consuming and... things that I'm going to forget the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the point? Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a fun book, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like the, um, because of all that, the character arc or the narrative arc, whatever other characters don't really have a positive resolution. They don't, I mean, they kind of have a, at least in the book, um, has it like a near death experience sort of, mm-hmm. but I didn't get the impression that he was changed necessarily. Like, did he, like, did he realize like he, he probably realized death was not something to fear, but did, did his like perspective on consumerism and all this other stuff change after that i think probably something we didn't touch on which is valuable is this idea that murray who's another professor at the college on a hill where jack teaches puts forth the puts forth this idea that there are two kinds of people in the world killers and dyers and (laughs) it's sort of the dichotomy at play here which is like what is your part in society do you kill are you like aggressive do you like take things from people Right. Or are you just a dyer, which is sort of like you just kind of exist and you do the things that have been put forth in front of you and until you get killed until you die. Um, and I, th- I think the ending, which we can talk about in the movie as well. And spoiler alert, these, these things are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of answers that question by saying Jack is a dyer. Mm. He's not a killer. Mm. Okay. And so, maybe by clarifying his place in the world he underst now he understand like it was a question to him going in yeah to that am hotel i a killer, room. Or, am I a killer or am i a dyer i thought i'm i think i might be a killer i'm not i'm a dyer and now that i know that i can sort of accept it i can accept it and i'd be just like a drone in the supermarket yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i can get wheaties from aisle one and then and enjoy my life until i die a killer right? gets me yeah interesting Interesting. I like it. It's funny because I don't, I don't really come at it. When I read a book, I don't really have, I don't really connect all these things together until usually like much later or like I have a conversation like this. 
so for me it's interesting to hear that because at the end of the book i was just sort of like like did anything resolve like 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 i get that the story is over but like i didn't get the sense of like oh he you know there's a resolution there's like a not necessarily happy ending but like some sort of like the purpose has been met um we've come full circle and we figured this out together i didn't necessarily get that after this book but i think it was just because i didn't connect those dots but yeah yeah it's hard when the the outcome is just like i'm okay with death now as like a 45 year old man as jack is right because it's kind of like it's not the big change that you're expecting or conditioned to expect yeah um and so it's it's just i don't know it's it's smaller it gets kind of hidden yeah a little bit too right so it's that's cool um which is another reason this this book like demands to be reread i feel for sure this is like for sure all these little things there was something i was reading uh, one of the wikipedias and i think david foster wallace had mentioned something like that uh don delillo was like top three american authors of all time or something something crazy so he's obviously well regarded i've only i read point omega have Hmm. you read that no this is my first delillo is it I, I can't remember this shit out of that one. Like, I, I think I read it and I was like, I kind of got what was going on. But it was basically about, like, this guy, this old guy who lived, uh, lives in the desert or something. And some filmmaker comes to have a chat with him. And then the guy's daughter comes and kind of disrupts things. And anyways, it kind of, like, falls apart. But I was like, oh, okay. I don't know. And that, so I wasn't super excited to read this. Although I, I know it, it, it had gotten great reviews and stuff. But, um, but, yeah, I guess it's just one of those... Like I love, I really enjoy reading it. I just don't know if I like fully understand it. Does we'll that make sense? We'll read it again. Yeah, we'll read it again. We'll, read it again. we'll be back next year. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. It's. I'm I'm excited to read something else by him, too. Just yeah, have to, you have you ever have you had like um, any books on your shelf? Um, I know Underworld is like the the big one from him as well. Is it? I think this and that and White Noise are like the kind of the two Delillos. That, okay. The top. Yeah. Yeah. The mountain top tier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, uh, well, so I, did you enjoy reading it? I, I assume the answer is yes. Yeah. I want to add one more. I wrote down a bunch of quotes and I talked through yeah, some of please. them. Yeah, um, please. Some of the other quotes I liked was like, the lieutenant governor of the state died of undisclosed natural causes after a long illness. We all know what that means. Uh, Lasher said to Murray, we ought to have an official day of the dead like the Mexicans. Murray says, we do. It's called Super Bowl week. Um, there's Murray's teaching this whole like car crash seminar. I don't know. This, this is too long to read, but it's just really funny. That's like, he's teaching this car crash seminar and he's uh, like, there, yeah. if you look past the violence, Jack, there's a wonderful brimming spirit of innocence and fun. Yeah. And then he says later, like, uh, I'm counting on you to tell me, Jack, were people this dumb before television? I don't know. <laughs> it's all like anti TV. Yeah. Um, all this stuff. I don't know. It's, don't it's know, really, the, it's, it's quite funny. Yeah. And the fact that he's teaching a class on the cinema of car crashes is just like absurd in and of itself. And the fact that they also have a Hitler's Hitler study studies. program. And Murray's funny. trying to launch an Elvis. Yeah. Study yeah, program. yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what do they do at the school? Like what the fuck? That's it. It's just it's liberal, liberal arts. arts. Yeah. <laughs> Let them study whatever they want. You pay 40 K to have your kid play with like uh Play-Doh and yeah. Tiddly, winks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, reading it as well. Um, lots of good stuff in it. Would highly recommend. Um, and if you do read it or if you have read it, let us know um, on the socials. Um, 
is there anything else you want to say about the book before we move on okay cool we're gonna listen to the trailer and then we're gonna talk about the film we will be right back they don't look scared in the crown victoria yeah they're laughing these guys aren't laughing where in the country square what does it matter what they're doing in other cars i want to know how scared i should be Be aimless. Let the seasons drift. Do not advance the action according to a plan. And we are back. Thank you from the brief word from the trailer or listening to the trailer. We aren't sponsored by the trailer, but thank you for listening to it. I wish we were sponsored by White Noise. That would be cool. We'd love to get some swag. You know, there actually is an A24 produced joint but it's like it's a netflix movie so i guess a24 produces movies as well oh in addition to dis- distributing them yeah so they're like a part producer in this oh on white noise yeah oh interesting yeah so okay just you know. too bad that it's gonna be a better movie <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> well the good parts were the a24 parts that's the right that's right that's that's yeah. so um one of our favorite uh segments here is eric lynch or something eric please take it away today we are going to be talking about late capitalism something i learned about just now i thought everything was going great i'm kind of surprised Uh (laughs) um so the term itself actually dates back to the early 1900s and the german economist werner sombart but it has taken uh, new relevance in recent years as people uh, don't feel great about the current society according to a 2017 article in the atlantic the term late capitalism is again in vogue to describe modern business culture. The essential idea is that contemporary capitalism cannot go on like it does forever because the problems created by business are getting too large and unmanageable. The populist will is getting sick and it may rise up to form new systems. The clock is ticking and now we have a word to describe how everyone feels. I, I love this. Late capitalism. I don't, there's no like real details in this, but I love it. Well, I, I, didn't, underst- I didn't understand it. the details. <laughs> I love the theory theory of this. It's like capitalism is almost capitalism sick. It's almost gone, right? Yeah. That's it. I guess we the need idea. A new one. It's kind of audacious to before something is over to be in the late period of it. Like you can't have like late period Scorsese until Scorsese is done because it's like mm-hmm. departed late period Scorsese, or because that happened like. Yeah, because you're still making movies, yeah. You know, that's interesting. I feel like you need you need the timeline before you can decide when something. So this is almost predictive. Yeah. Like, are they saying that we are in it currently, or like yes, we're currently in it? Okay. Yeah. I I get it. I mean, you know, capitalism is is not ideal. It's not like a fair and equitable uh, form of society, whatever the hell you want to call it. But. Yeah, I, I can totally get down with the idea of like the businesses and uh, profit margins for CEOs and investors is, is astronomical compared to like the poverty that we have. And if that's kind of what it's talking about. 
I don't know. Maybe I just sit on my soapbox here and talk about what I want to talk about. I wasn't about. listening to any of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I brought this up because um, I would argue that the book goes into like it's kind of like anti it's kind of like anti-capitalist right and this is 1985 and this is right 35 years ago this is probably the height of like wall street right yeah yeah so it's in a certain way kind of like predictive or or like seeing what's happening yeah so I, i wanted to bring this up because it's like another thing white noise like it sees the it yeah, kind of knows the, yeah. it's like sees the seams that's and I, true i guess we give stuff credit for you know getting stuff right and maybe it was a guess or whatever it was but you know he was right on a lot of things in this book interestingly so yeah this is reagan right 85 yeah so yeah i'm sure there was a sort of like a, a counter movement to what he was doing um sort of loosening the the reins on wall street and businesses and stuff like that um You've been in the 80s of the back-to-back episodes. You know that? Yeah. Uh, no. I am uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I can definitely see this, how, how this sort of uh, relates to it. And, yeah, it's sort of a uh, – it's funny. I was I was watching an interview earlier today with uh, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver, and they were basically asking uh, Noah Baumbach about, like, uh, you know, uh, where did you get the inspiration to make this movie? Like, wh- what about the book kind of drew you to it? And he was like, well, I was reading the, reading the book – during the pandemic at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, wow, this is, we're kind of going through like the toxic event here. Like this is like sort of like shaking up our world. And we're kind of going through these like consumerism. Uh, I forgot what he said, but sort of like a push of consumerism, like constant consumerism with our phones and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, that's really interesting. But yeah, it's, it's super relatable to today as well. And yeah, I, I appreciate you. Uh, um, you know, quoting or bringing to light the the Atlantic, uh, leftist, uh, <laughs> leftist, uh, what do you, whatever you call it, outlet, outlet, yeah, outlet I guess. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. My next filter. week, next week we'll have to get uh, OAN and yeah. bounce it out. <laughs> I've never been on any of those sites. I'm, I don't even know if they work. <laughs> That's a good point. Is AWS still hosting them? Who can say? <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Let's get into the differences um, of the film. Eric, how would you describe this adaptation? Literal, loose, or reimagined? I think this is as literal of an, ab- of an adaptation that we've ever done on the Little Ones podcast. I think most of the dialogue is pulled directly from the novel and minus a few small things. It's like almost the exact same material. Agreed. Like I've been, I'm usually on the loose train. I can't even like the loose train is gathering cobwebs right now because the, yeah. li- the literal train is really full of coal. It's <laughs> fired up, ready to ready to make its rounds. It's got some toxic chemicals in the back. That's right. Ready to get trash up. Yeah. Trash and, up. and I think the reason for that is just the writing here is so singular. It's so specific to the world that was built in the book that, um, you know, in comparison to some of the other stories we read, I think when you start to fuss with the language at play here, you're basically like chipping away the mortar from a brick wall. And yeah, you can make a brick wall with just like a bunch of bricks stacked up on top of each other. Mm-hmm. But without that mortar, like it's not going to stand quite as mm-hmm. heartily, mightily. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. This was sort of uh, from A to Z, almost the exact same thing. Minor differences here and there, like we'll get into. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a more literal adaptation. This I don't, I don't think I can come up with one off the top of my head. 
I don't think you can because it's so close. I, uh, I'm going to forget the specifics of it, but I, I highlighted it when I was reading the book and there's a scene where Babette is about to cook the like chili fried chicken. And she yep. kind of like sits on top of Jack at the dinner table and they're like hugging each other, holding each other close. And it's, um, some brand of like corn, corn nubs, something like that. And she's holding this little box and Jack in the book is, can like read the serving instructions and he's like reading them. And in the movie, the exact same scene with a box of corn nubs. And I, you, there's like a, a half second shot of Jack just like looking at the box. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, this, like <laughs> down to the very little detail. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. they're so close. Yeah. And they had a lot of the dialogue in there too. Like they had a lot of the conversations, a lot of the same exact things uh, placed in it, but let's get into the minor differences here. Um, so number one, the barn, uh, which was not included in the movie, but was sort of, or is a sort of a, well-regarded or famous 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 scene um written in the book yeah so i only wanted to brought this to bring this up just because this is like what's been taken from this book and i I wanted to start by just reading the passage um where this occurs we stood near a grove of trees and watched the photographers murray maintained a prolonged silence occasionally scrawling some notes in a little book no one sees the barn he said finally a long silence followed once you've seen the signs about the barn, it becomes impossible to see the barn. He fell silent once more. People with cameras left the elevated site, replaced at once by others. We're not here to capture an image. We're here to maintain one. Every photograph reinforces the aura. Can you feel it, Jack? An accumulation of nameless energies. Um, and I feel like the barn essentially affirms in visitors a sense of like consumerist imminence. It's something to check mark off your trip advisor list. Yep. It's like this Instagramification of life. Yep. Like you can never see the Eiffel Tower. Right. You're seeing all of the pictures of the Eiffel Tower. Right, right. And the pictures you're gonna take of the Eiffel Tower and like the long tail of the Eiffel Tower. But you're not actually ever looking at the Eiffel Tower. Right. You're looking at the idea of the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think it's excluded from the movie just because it's an aside. Like if we're giving this film a plot which is to establish, uh, establish, establish <laughs> like the rituals of life, experience right. the airborne toxic event, and then live with the aftermath all set against the mystery. Um, then we just kind of have to turn our attention elsewhere. It has to be moved. I, I would bet you that they filmed this scene mm. and that it just didn't fit. Didn't work. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. Cause they didn't really go on any trips. They didn't really go anywhere. They just kind of were at their house and then they, ran away when the toxic event occurred and then they came back. Yeah. So yeah, it, it would have been kind of, maybe if you started with that, you could have maybe had that at least like the first scene and then having them come back and then get into day to day life. But yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's a great scene. Cause like you said, it's sort of the, the, the barn doesn't actually function as a barn. It functions as like an idea of a barn and sort of a place for you to take photos and check it off the list and et cetera, et cetera. And there's, there are countless, things like that today that like the eiffel tower I, I would i would argue is like not necessarily the same thing you would have something way way less of way less value um in way smaller scale um i'm sure there's like a billion different things in the u.s that i can't think of right now but south of the border uh like statues and monuments um yeah in south carolina right don't they have like am i just making that up 
probably. I don't sta- statues south of the border or uh, oh 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 yeah like a tourist like a yeah, specifically like a meant for a tourist trap yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a thing in Michigan called the secret or the mystery spot mm-hmm. and it's just like billboards like come to the mystery spot turn like right on exit sixty five yeah yeah and two miles away is the mystery spot <laughs> you won't want to miss it yeah so this yeah kind of like jokey yeah yeah get you in yeah take your money right get you out get the fuck out yeah yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was not there. It would have been kind of cool to see, but yeah, you're right. It probably would not have fit exactly perfectly with this film, but I don't know. The film didn't feel like it. The first part didn't feel like it fit with the second and third acts necessarily. It felt kind of like a different part of the movie, like a different story basically. Yeah. Do you think that like the technology bits got turned down a little bit in the movie? Um, yeah, they didn't really talk too much about like the TV or even her, her, like Babette's like yoga classes or, or dance classes, yeah. I forget what they were, but yeah, not really. I mean, they didn't really get into that. Um, they just kind of had random conversations. I didn't really, I mean, they, they did the scene with the Elvis juxtapositioned with Hitler. Yeah. That was a cool scene. I was talking to my parents about it because they like tried to watch it and they were like, it just was weird. I didn't really get it. And I kind of felt the same way in the beginning. Whereas like you have all these things that are happening, but you don't really understand the context around it. Like that scene was sort of felt was cool, but it was like out of place kind of, it was like, why are we seeing this? Like we don't really get the point of it. Um, and then there's a lot of dialogue. Like when the, um, when all of the professors are having, I think, lunch or dinner together in the cafeteria, they're all talking about all these different things. You can bear, can kind of barely make any of it out. So it's, it's almost kind of a throwaway scene. Um, there's a lot of that where it's like, they kind of just try to take the scene from the book and just put a camera on the actors and have them recite the dialogue essentially. And it just doesn't, it didn't really work for me. I don't know if you felt differently. I, I felt like you could see other movies in this movie. So for that particular scene, I don't know if you've ever seen like a Robert Altman movie, like a The Player or Long Goodbye, Nashville. He was big in 70s, 80s, like lesser in the early 90s. Probably, I don't, it sounds familiar, but Mash. I don't think so. Um, he was famous for like layering conversation on top of each other mm. so there could be a shot and like the people in the background are talking and their noise is loud enough that it like influences what you're hearing and like bothers the people talking in the foreground and it's just mm. like din of conversation at every level and it's just a guy guess like hyper realist and i don't know mm. a certain way where it's just like everything is noise right it's all noise yeah yeah in a movie called white noise maybe that makes some sense yeah it's just like right, right, right. just all the talking and to your point like a lot of it is misinformation in a certain yeah, yeah. way like people are just spewing things spewing things yeah. right I, yeah i guess that's exactly right when it's when it's just non-stop talking it can't all be true it can't all be accurate it's yeah. just like talking to talk mm-hmm. filling the space filling the life with words yeah and speeches and stuff um and then there's another scene where they're escaping the like colony when the cloud like moves and they're like being chased and they're running away. They're like, we got to get to the station wagon, like run, run, run. And, uh, Adam driver's like running through the field and he's like dodging people. 
and he gets the car and they're like no she lost her like stuffy oh yeah go get yeah. the stuff <laughs> stuff rabbit and he has to like run all the way back yeah, yeah. it was very like uh <laughs> absurd very absurd it was very like 2004 like hollywood blockbuster mm. or even even like jurassic park before it where it's kind of like okay well we know he has to go get the item that's very valuable to the child right but he's uh against like massive danger right, right, right. kind of like silly like stuffed animal in the face of like a billowing black cloud yeah, of yeah, course yeah. he has to go get that that's the drama in the scene it's yeah, not yeah, the billowing yeah. black cloud it's like the minor inconvenience to get to the big big event right so it's kind of like a spielberg kind of like a, a james cameron vibe in, in that felt yeah um i forget where we were going with that but I, yeah i i could feel like other movies in this movie yep in Absolutely. a certain way um and it i think took away from this just being its own thing yeah i mean it's you're absolutely right about the spielberg thing um i definitely got that vibe especially with that scene and as well as the the scene where they actually show the billowing clouds right um and the scene where everybody try, is trying to escape um there are all these like blocks to your exit uh, like that's sort of what it feels like in Spielberg films where it's like there are all these obstacles that you sort of just can't get past. You have to figure out a different way around it. Uh, at least the middle act, the second act felt like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, when they start the second act, I'm pretty sure of the book, maybe they mention it later uh, about the the train accident. They actually start with they start with like the uh they don't show what happened maybe i think they refer to it later on but they start with like oh my god there's a billowing cloud there's like all this chatter on the radio blah 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 and you're kind of thrown in the situation without really knowing the context of it whereas mm -hmm. we were kind of given the context previous or prior to it so we kind of knew what happened yeah it cuts it's cut into the hitler elvis conversation yeah right? okay yeah. i think so yeah so it's sort of like i don't know having that at a different moment would have been a bit nicer i think having just like oh my god there's a black cloud what happened kind of adds to the mystery a bit um which i think may have been a better play on that um may have been a little bit more interesting but because yeah, I, I guess the point you're making by having the black cloud is like there's a toxic event and we don't know what it's going to do to you it right. inspires growth growth and rats <laughs> right which are the close you know close thing to humans whatever um right. but by showing the train and maybe the the van or the truck hitting each other. Yeah. It's like toxic, toxic. And you're like, oh, well, this should be bad. Right, right, right. Versus just like a black cloud that like might be bad. Right, right, right. And might kill you in 30 years when the <laughs> thing finally manifests yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You don't know. Yeah. We'll never know, I guess. We'll never know. Um, let's move on to number two. So um, the end of the film has two scenes. Isn't this crazy? This is the second thing we're talking about and yeah. it's the ending. It's, <laughs> yeah. this is, it's so similar. Uh, by the way, uh, just as like a side note, this is the first time I'd ever seen on Wikipedia, the actual rundown of differences between book and film. I don't know if this is like a new feature or somebody just like threw it in there. Um, but that was, I was taken aback. So if you're interested in looking at the very minor details, there are difference that are differences between the book and movie. Go to the Wikipedia page for the film and you'll see them. Uh, but yeah, so the so the end of the movie has two scenes where um, uh, well, the second to last scene is basically Jack going to kill uh, the Dialar 
uh, Mr. Gray Man, mm-hmm. uh, who was selling Dollar to his, 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 his <laughs> the, yes, gray sorry, man. the Gray Man. <laughs> Ryan Gosling was there. He yeah. was uh, in the hotel room, and uh, so basically, he goes there to kill him to figure out if he's a killer or a dyer, and he shoots him, um, but doesn't kill him. He tries to stage the act as a as a suicide, and as he's putting the gun. Um, in the hand of the of the of the gray man, the Mr. Gray, um, Mr. Gray wakes up and then shoots Jack. Uh, and right as that happens, Babette in the film enters and she gets shot as well. So it shoots through uh, Jack's arm and then hits Babette. I think in the stomach or the leg. It's like, like a hip. Yeah, yeah. And then in the book, that that uh, Babette is not there. Um, so after that happens, they realize we should. Like we don't, we shouldn't kill him. We should take him to the hospital. So they drag, put him in the car, take him to the hospital, and they're all there together. And they kind of have a kind of reconnect, I guess, in a way uh, after after the series of events. But that doesn't happen in the in the book. And how does that change the story for you? I think it is a change of economy. So I think her presence. I mean, it's the same freaking scene right? right it's just babette also got shot right um i think it just serves to tighten what would otherwise be a like conciliatory rebonding scene that would happen like at home mm-hmm. so either jack can go to the hospital and then get discharged in the morning and go home and be like oh crazy night let me tell you about this mm-hmm. or they can experience it together they were already kind of on the rocks and by going through this uh, heightened emotional moment they realize like whoa shit we're both dyers but let's stay alive with each other together yeah yeah um and it's kind of a i don't know it's a little syrupy but i think also like one less scene in a two hour and 20 minute movie probably didn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes right right it's okay yeah um plus you paid uh greta Gorwick all that money so you should probably throw in there well, she's you know dating the director. I didn't want to say it, but maybe that's maybe that's what the oh, yeah, that's what the situation yeah. is. Well, you know, women in Hollywood they have it so easy. <laughs> Just late at night, like, hey, Noah, you think I I think I should be in this scene? I can get shot. Yeah, you like, can shoot me. Yeah, come on. Yeah, with that little like baby like German gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, I feel like that wouldn't even really hurt that much, but it probably would. Yeah, but. I think it probably is valuable to have her there too because the scene in it's so the hospital is actually like full of german like atheist um, nuns nuns yeah and that's when they have this like final talk about like the nuns don't actually believe in heaven yeah 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 and they're like why if you believed in heaven we would believe in heaven and they're right. like well you know maybe if we believe in, like, you wouldn't have to right, or whatever right, it is yeah, yeah. they have this little back and forth and the basic idea comes out of it is like hell is when nobody believes and i think it it serves the larger point here which is like the changing belief systems affect how they feel about dying and i I think it makes sense to end it in this like house of religion because it's the ultimate like sort of trans transfiguration trans whatever the i'm i don't know it's it's late here (laughs) on this podcast but the when when you like when you when you go from the world of the living to the world of the dead when you like there's a word that i just can't think of but um i think i think that sort of has to be the ending point to make to make my mm. uh, argument work, yeah, 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 is that like the once you die, you could go somewhere or not, yeah. And if you close off the idea of going somewhere, You're then going all of a sudden, else. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That was funny though. I mean, it was like, uh, it's like the nuns were just like, why, why would we believe in something like that? Sort of very dismissive. Um, and of course they're German nuns because German is like an important part of this yeah, book too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sort of plays into like kind of like what you said, but it's also like nothing at the end of the day, none of that stuff really matters. Like all this stuff really doesn't matter or impact anything. It's just sort of like what we choose to believe or pay attention to. But thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. Okay. So then we have the dance sequence, um, which is the LCD sound system song. I can't remember the name of it. New Roomba, I think. Yeah. New uh, body Roomba. New body Roomba. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, yeah. So they, at the end scene, they're back in the uh, beautiful supermarket um and then they all sort of break out in song and dance it's it's just dance it's just it's played over the the lcd sound system song and everybody has is doing their dance number and it, it extends throughout the entire credits yeah, like, so it's like five minutes or whatever maybe longer yeah um and it's a bit <laughs> the last minute or two is actually like set on basically the whole the whole checkout so you can see basically the whole supermarket yeah but all the checkout lanes um and everybody's still dancing and i noticed i was trying to find adam driver and then they adam driver was not dancing he was no rhythm no rhythm he was just places his uh items on the belt so what did you feel about it i mean obviously this was not in the book for obvious reasons um but yeah so if you and i i marked this but i don't have to read it but the, the book ends also with them going to the supermarket and it is this very like drone like a slowly moving line satisfying giving us time to glance at the tabloids in the racks everything that we need that's not food or love is here in the tabloid racks you know the cult of the famous and the dead um it's it so it ends at the same place but it is this very much like drone people filling their carts because they have to just like they're shopping until they're dying right um i think the main difference between that and this like danciness is it's a little bit more exciting to watch people dancing even if <laughs> i think the choreography is purposefully lame like it's right. not good dancing no no it's like it's like stupid dancing right right um and to me i don't know the read is maybe like they think what they're doing is fun but it's kind of like uninspired I kind of so I had the th- I had the idea when I was watching it, like they were kind of it was almost like um, a ritualistic or spiritual dance to like like a religious or spiritual experience we're going would to the grocery store and they were holding up like bags of chips and other things kind of like Simba in The Lion King they were kind of like doing that motion and whereas they were kind of like the spiritual religious dance to sort of respect their god as a consumer that was sort of my read on it the consumer god but not the food <laughs> god because at the supermarket you're it's very impersonal right exactly just yeah, like, yeah yeah you get your brain and they also had a very cool uh <laughs> they mentioned in the book but the like the no the no brand like the white bag of chips with like, yeah. the black letters the helvetica like yeah <laughs> i thought that was hysterical i was like i would probably buy that yeah very like minimalistic yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. hipster it's a commentary it's cool, on potato chips very cool yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but they don't serve that unfortunately so yeah the only person that actually had rhythm in that dancing was andre 
3,000 on Benjamin. He didn't do anything. He just stood. No, but he had rhythm doing it, though. He, oh he just God. stood very still and, like, kind of just, like, boogied side to side. Yeah, kind of. But it looked good to me. I was like, this guy, I know this guy <laughs> can dance. <laughs> I can tell. If I would, We've just, seen if, him if, in music videos. If dance. he did that next to me doing that, you would be like, okay, one of these guys has rhythm and one of these guys does not <laughs> yeah, have that's rhythm. That's probably fair. Um, but I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's just... Maybe it's like calling to the the rain gods, calling to the yeah, yeah the yeah the That's consumer god. We're just like, it's also absurd. It's an absurd yes, thing to show, sure, and yeah. kind of fits in with that narrative as well, or that theme of a story. But I thought it was I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, it's maybe a little bit the long. movie or just the 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 scene, the dance scene. Yeah, it was entertaining. I just thought it was maybe a little long and maybe a little bit like drawn out. Um, you could have turned it off. I was actually I was, I, actually I was watching the credits. I was reading. I was reading though. I fa- I watched it for like three minutes and then I fast forwarded it to the end. Did you? Like, really? Oh, is there something going to happen? Is someone going to talk now? Right. Unbelievable! I got I got it. That's such an MCU thing to do. I figured it out. Like once I got what it meant, oh, I was I like, all right, I'm good. That's what it. That's what consuming is. You just oh, that's I got true. It. I'm good. <laughs> I got it. Now I'm good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm gonna move on to my. I next. took the calories. I'm gonna move on to my next consumption. That's Open right. up my phone. Yeah. I can't wait to log this on Letterbox. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly what you want. <laughs> that's fair. That is very true, actually. <laughs> um. Okay. So those are the differences. The main ones that we want to discuss. Did you want to say something? I wanted to apologize to Orest Mercator. Just real quickly. <laughs> the, the, uh, Excuse me. <laughs> Great name, or Orist Mercator. He's the uh-huh. the guy in the book who is training to uh, set the Guinness World oh. Record for like surviving in a tank with a snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like this little small like through line, but it's basically just like he's prepping his body to live with a snake for is it like multiple hours or multiple days? I can't remember. But they keep seeing, and his name is ridiculous, and they keep seeing him, and he's like, "How's the training going?" And he's like, "You know, you can die with that, right?" He's like, "Yeah, but." I won't. <laughs> yeah. And it, he doesn't end up going through with it, which is probably why they don't put it in the movie. It's too bad. Yeah. That would that would have been a good one to have actually. Just to say the name Oris Mercator, yeah. I think is valuable. They had weird things in the movie like Leon Parsley, like in the the person uh, the person runs into like a stack of books or something in the grocery store and then like one of the clerks come out and like they're oh, Leon Parsley. Oh yeah, Do yeah. You remember that? And I was like why did we, I mean, did we have to throw that in there? That's like a weird, there's a lot of weird things like that. Like, do we need that? Was that helpful? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Let's move on. We'll, move on. we'll talk about, maybe we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our final. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, so was the adaptation successful? So I'm a little torn because as we mentioned, this is like literally the book. Yeah. Um, but I was also left a little unsatisfied with the whole watch experience. Um, I don't know if it was too much of a commentary on like the death and not enough on like the horrors and badness of TV and its role making America stupid. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like what I wanted was Austin, Texas in like 2003. And what I got was Austin, Texas in 2023. Like you wanted Austin to be weird and you got like post weird Austin where yeah. home People prices are, are very expensive. And it's like, yeah. oh, we're weird. Like we have bumper stickers that say keep Austin weird, yeah. but also like it's going to cost you $900,000. Right, 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 right. It's like inauthentically, it's like an inauthentically weird. Yeah. Not like a, 
I don't no, know. like actually weird. Does that make? I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I feel. Yeah, like it could have it's been like a tainted weird. It could have been weird. It's a commercialized weird. It's a commercialized weird. Yeah. It's like you know a hundred million dollars worth of weird. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I feel. That's fair. There you go. Um, what do you think? I, I kind of agree. I, I don't actually. I would say that this adaptation was unsuccessful just because the book was able to reach heights of uh, tying in all these different themes that I just think that the movie sort of failed to do. Um, I think the movie had the intention of sort of regurgitating the book without sort of adding anything. Um, I mean, obviously you could see the billowing cloud and all that, but like, did it do anything to it? Like improve the story from a visual perspective? Like I would argue no. Um, and yeah, it didn't, it didn't sort of hit the same heights as, as the book did. It didn't, it didn't have all those funny moments translated to the screen it had sort of absurdist stuff going on, but it didn't really translate as well. Um, so I feel like one of the incorrect lessons learned or incorrect, like tax taken was that the airborne toxic event is worth a hundred million dollars to like visualize, which just yeah. isn't true because it's, it's not a, it's like a, it's an event that sets up things or disturbs things. Right. But it's not an event. It's not like the happening with Mark Wahlberg. Like people don't yeah, yeah. immediately die after running into the cloud, right, right, um, or the plume, you know, or the our event. <laughs> um, but to indeed. like spend all that time like showing it and all that, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I wanted I wanted the stuff on either end of it. Yeah. More than I wanted the stuff within it. Yeah. Even though it's important. Um, you could have just told all that stuff or had like low budget CGI. You didn't really need to show it. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you that it's not as important as the other stuff. Yeah. Um, did we like the movie? I'm having deja vu. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of torn on it. I mean, I liked it enough. I liked it enough. I'm going to say that. Yeah. I'm probably never going to watch it ever again. Yeah. And I think if somebody came up to me and was like, should I watch this? I'd be like, how much time you got? Yeah. Like how much, how much into Don DeLillo are you? Cause I wouldn't even say this is like a Noah Baumbach. Like if you're into Noah Baumbach or like Adam driver, like maybe if you're an Adam driver, I would say, yeah, watch it. But like, I can't think of a reason to like seek it out. Yeah. We got shut out at the Oscars. Right. So yeah. Kind of missed, missed it. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Our bad. Yeah. We're we're over three, right? So far. So far. <laughs> we got a couple. Now the nominations are out, so we can we'll pick up some easy ones. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um yeah. So yeah. is that a is that a meh or like a, it was a meh to me. I think I think I we've been doing like star ratings. I think I'll save it for the film or book section. Okay, okay. We'll do star ratings then. Uh let's do hot takes. Uh so mine is this is one that should have been a mini series um oh i felt like it you could just have way more of those like really absurd uh funny dialogue moments just in more space it just felt like a lot of it was cramped in together like almost like a montage whereas like you can just sort of have four you know four hours or whatever six hours to sort of like lay the lay the groundwork for everything else that happens later with those moments um that you don't need to feel rushed like i need to hit my you know 140 minute 
time limit, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just felt like if it, it just needed more breathing room. Have the toxic event happen in episode three, and then... You could have a full episode on just the toxic event. Yeah, yeah you could do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I write itself. That's one episode of the can. There you go. Hulu. <laughs> Send me a check. That's <laughs> good. What about you? So my hot take is that white noise became what it feared most, which is just like it's on TV now. And people just oh, put it on Netflix and they half listen to it and nobody gives a shit. Oh fuck. It it fell into the void. It fell into the void. It is the void. It became itself. <laughs> oh it, my ate God. It, it's, it ate itself. <laughs> How meta is that? It's the most meta. <laughs> That's all the way meta. I like that hot take a lot. That's really. If you, th- I mean, if you, it did. It's on fucking Netflix, man. Uh, correct. People watch Netflix on their phones. Yeah. And don't listen, and they just put it on, and they like, are you still watching? Yeah. Exactly. No, I'm not still watching. It's just, it's, it's hilarious in a way. Yeah, yeah. It is, but nobody gives though. a shit because we've moved on from like actually caring about anything. I've had a couple beers, so this has <laughs> become a different thing. But you know, it, I'm resonating with it. So. Uh, that brings up a question uh do you think this would have been more like poignant and funny if it was like modern day as opposed to in the 80s like if they had made a modern day version of this probably it, it had no reason to be in the 80s my yeah. I, I guess so I'm, there are reasons to set things in the past which is like cell phones are like the worst thing for yeah, yeah. stories because yeah. it's just like eliminates plots yeah but I, there's no reason this had to be in the 80s necessarily mm-hmm. This this movie, right? Like what we saw. Yeah, I don't think so. Could have been could have been modern. It's the same like stupidity. Have it filmed on an iPhone. Like get Steven Soderbergh to do it. Yeah, people are still stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, so stupid, fucking idiots. Like I mean, not our listeners though. You guys. No, no, no. By listening to this podcast, you've you've checked a box. (laughs) But I mean, seriously, like, what does the '80s give you other than like the? hat tip to like oh you know ronald reagan was president here. yeah yeah the actor ronald reagan. Who? Yeah. Yeah. um you know it's 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 like the beginnings of a bunch of things that we talked about in yeah. the last episode but didn't it's not like it had to be in the 80s no yeah i feel like it in maybe, fact what's powerful yeah. about it is that it's still fucking relevant it's still relevant yeah that's, that's the true. whole thing there you go yeah there you go. billion cloud is happening right now well, yeah that's what we learned i was i was uh <clears throat> you know of course like like any any good uh book lover i i have david foster wallace's uh infinite jest and i feel like that would be a great book to read now. of course i've never read it it's just sitting on my bookshelf looking pretty but like i feel like that would be a great book to is read that now. why you're single <laughs> you have you own infinite jest i'm waiting until i get married to read it yeah, actually. yeah. <laughs> but like th- the because it's like about consumerism and about like constant uh entertainment essentially which I think I I was watching some research. I never read this, but Brave New World is kind of about that as well. Do you know this? Oh, uh, no. Aldous Huxley? Yeah. Huxley? Apparently that is sort of about uh, a society where um, the the people are, sort of gave up their power. They're like, we don't actually want any sort of rights and responsibilities. We just want to like enjoy life. So they actually, their whole lives are basically spent consuming things and like entertaining themselves. Um, sort of the ramifications of that. It's like, that would be really interesting to read nowadays, too. I feel like those three books, as I was reading and, and watching it, I kind of was reminded of these things. It's like, oh, they all kind of fall into this a similar, like, bucket. When is Brave New World from? Is that earlier? I think it's, like, from the 1920s or 30s. Hmm. I can look it up, but... um, 
yeah it's a, the the great like consumerism trilogy or like yeah, yeah. how people just want to experience life trilogy. 1932 yeah yeah anyways yeah all right maybe we'll do uh just the infinite just book club yeah <laughs> That'd be one chapter at a time yeah, or one it. essay at a time um move your book i think we're both set on this one book yeah book i i, I saw we both went four stars on book yeah i haven't released our i haven't released my movie stardom but i think it's probably gonna be three two i did half, three two and yeah. half three i did three while we're upstairs three with I, a like I or three with in. not like three with a like i probably should take the like off there you go or do like two and a half of the like that wouldn't make any sense though you can't do two and a half of the like i think three is where the like yeah three could be either like or non-like yeah i think but two and a half is too low for a like yeah well, that wouldn't make any sense two and a half stars i liked it <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> one star you, but like, like i'll it? watch this any day of the week. <laughs> um final thoughts what will we remember uh most where were you when james dean died you son of a bitch my favorite quote i like to all plots tend to move deathward oh yeah I yeah like that's that a good one too there was actually a funny quote in the movie i don't remember if it was in the book or not but uh daniel radcliffe's sister <laughs> she had Denise, a Denise. <laughs> Denise. she was basically trying to show uh her father that uh babette was taking dylar and she basically in the kitchen she says oh i have to sh- show you my homework or whatever and they're both upstairs and she goes the homework was a canard yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck is a canard and it's obviously something that's like a like a fake plot like right? a fake plot yeah, yeah. Like, oh that's fucking hysterical yeah. the homework was a canard <laughs> it's like what a dirty thing to say yeah <laughs> but yeah that was a good I thought that was a good quote okay um we're gonna sign off uh check out our most recent episode on bones and all as well as our recap on the 2022 uh, year, our top threes. And then keep an eye out on our next episode, which is going to be women talking. And then um, do we have any shout outs? Uh, to Orist Mechator. Yep. Forest. Keep trying to set that Guinness Book of World Records from uh, living with a python or whatever it was. We're pulling for you. Yeah. And when you do, come on the pod. We'll talk about it. I love that name. Such a good name. What's it? Orist what? Mercator. Yeah. M E C. Or Makator, M E C A T O R. There's I'm, no R. So I'm gonna Horace <laughs> Makator. I'm gonna name my son Horace. That's a good. It's <laughs> like it was a really good. Name. And my daughter, actually, I'm gonna name both of them. I, I, I don't think it's 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 not gender specific. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's fluid. So Horace. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Goodbye. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Peace out. <laughs>